Open your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Now, I was pondering this today, that for an unsaved man, when, when an unsaved man dies, it's a loss. But for the believer in Christ, when we die, it's gain for us. That's what the scripture is going to tell us today that we're going to focus on tonight. I was also thinking if there was no Christ, death would be a loss for us too. If Christ hadn't come down here and redeemed us, if he hadn't come down and saved our eternal souls by the shedding of his precious blood, then death would be a loss because we all died in Adam. But praise be to God, our risen Savior completed the perfect work of salvation in our room and place and saved our eternal souls. So that now death for the believer is gain. Gain. My oh my. <coughs> now this verse will be very familiar to we who are born again blood-washed children of God. It's a wonderful verse in the book of Philippians. Now this book is called a prison epistle because Paul's in shackles. And what's he in prison for? He's in prison for preaching the gospel. Could you imagine that? Here, these Roman soldiers are guarding him, and they say, well, what's this fellow Paul in here for? Well, didn't you hear? No, no. Well, he's in here for preaching the gospel. What? He didn't, he didn't kill anyone? He didn't? No, he's just in here for preaching the gospel. And, and I, I was listening to what he was saying. He was talking about this Christ fellow. Oh, my. And Scripture says there's some in Caesar's household who believed. A lot of people think some of them guards. The Lord gave them hearing ears and seeing eyes to look to Christ. It's wonderful. And Paul, he's in prison for, again, just preaching the gospel, preaching Christ. And he's been preaching about the complete, perfect, sin atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ that it has nothing to do with our works, and that goes against the grain of man. <coughs> that goes against the Jews who had all these laws that you had to follow. And that also goes against the Gentile gods who were always having to be appeased. Always having to be appeased. I was listening to a sermon today about Jonah. Do you know that there was a meeting of the gods on that boat, that boat that Jonah was on, and only one showed up, the true and living God. Because they were all praying to their gods, it says. But only one showed up. Isn't that amazing? The one true God, brother, he showed up. He showed up. My, oh, my. Oh, isn't that amazing? So our great God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down from heaven and became a man and died a perfect sin-atoning death in our room and place. He's the Lamb of God, and his blood is shed, and he finished the work which the Father sent him to do, which is to, to save his people from their sins. And here Paul's writing to these Philippians. They were Gentiles, and he's writing to them. He's in prison. They're very concerned about him being in prison. They're very concerned. Look what he says here in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. He says to them, but I would 
Ye should understand, brethren, that the thing which happened unto me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. So he says, I'm in prison here. I'm in prison, but it's fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. See, whatever happens in the life of a church, good and bad, it falls out for the furtherance of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Oh my. We don't and we don't understand it. So Paul's saying, the Philippian, the Philippian saints are saying, Paul, you're in jail. Well, think of this. He's in fetters, right? But is the gospel in fetters? Oh no. The gospel can't be chained, can it, Brother Dave? No, it's free. It's free. It's still going out there, even though Paul's in chains. It's still going forth. So no matter what happens to a gospel preacher or to a saint of God, the gospel's still going free, isn't it? Oh, my. He says, look, at he says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. In the palace, amongst the guards. The gospel, and look what it says, is manifest. Who does God manifest the gospel to? His sheep. <laughs> oh, isn't that amazing? Look at this. And many of the brethren of the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See how the gospel is going further now? Because some who may have been a little timid are now waxed bold in speaking and preaching the gospel. And look, it says that they speak, or it's bold to speak the word without fear. We ought not to fear man. Man cannot destroy the soul, but God can. And the scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh my. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach... Preach Christ of contention. One's, one's causing contention. But does Paul say, stop that? Why is he rejoicing, even though that guy's preaching with contention? Because the gospel's going forth. He didn't say he wasn't preaching the gospel. Notice that? No. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The the, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. <coughs> They're looking to add affliction to his bonds, and yet the gospel's going out. Isn't that amazing? The gospel's unfettered. It can't, it can't be bound. Now, the preachers of the gospel can be bound. God's people can be bound. But the gospel's never bound. It's free. And it flows out. And accomplishes whatever God wills it to accomplish. That's why I get excited about the messages going out here. They're going to places we don't even know, beloved. They may be going into countries that, that they've said, you can't download that stuff. We don't know. We have no idea. My. Look what he says. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached... And I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ. 
Look at verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope. Who's our hope? Our hope is Christ. That in nothing I shall be ashamed. But what, that with all boldness is always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. <coughs> I'm so sorry. So he's saying here, whether I live or whether I die, Christ may Christ be magnified. And he says this in verse 21. Here's our text. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having the desire to depart, which is to be with the Lord, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Remember, he, he was caught up in the third heaven. He saw things he couldn't even talk about. He saw things he couldn't even talk about. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you, with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So here are the words of Paul. He's a prisoner for Christ's sake. He's been in prison because he's preaching the gospel. And he's a brother, we see, that's ready to leave this world. He's ready to leave. How do we know that? Well, he says, he says, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, verse 23, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And he's told us in verse 21. Remember, this is all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Look what, look what God the Holy Spirit's showing us here. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Oh my. And we also see in verse 19, Paul still addressing the Philippians concerning that which is most singularly important to the child of God, that Christ is to be preached. It, he must be preached. He must be preached. Look in verse 19 again. He knows that the troubles the church is facing and his own bondage is troubling to many. In verse 19, he says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer in the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's just trusting the Lord. Whether he lives or dies, he's trusting the Lord. And he assures the, the believers at Philippi that these arising circumstances are but part of God's providence, part of his will. My, he's in prison. And these prisons weren't like the country clubs today. There's rats running around in these prisons. And they feed them slop, and they better hope to get to it before the rats get to it. And here's Paul writing a whole epistle in prison. My, oh, my. And again, this is one of the prison epistles. And sometimes these prisons were just a hole in the floor and they just lowered down food or water. It, it, some of them were, were dark caves. Obviously he, had, he must have had some light to be able to write. But I'll tell you what, these were rat infested prisons. They were not like today. 
Not like today. And he shares, again, he shares, just like I said earlier, he assures the believers, this is all falling out according to God's, God's wise providence. All this is happening. And then note in verse 20, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, speaks these words, according to, according to, according to his earnest expectation and hope. Look at this. According to my earnest expectation and hope. <clears throat> that in nothing I shall be ashamed, that with all boldness as always, so now also in Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He's saying, whether I live or die, may Christ be magnified in my life. Isn't that wonderful? Now, this is the cry for all of us, isn't it, as believers? We, do, we, we all say, by God's grace, for me to, to live as Christ, but to die as gain. My, oh my. Do we believe that? Do we believe what the scriptures say? Do we believe that, that, that we are to live for Christ? Amen, brother. But that's our desire, isn't it? We had a desire before that we used to want to live for ourselves. And so did Paul. Right? So did Paul. He was going around wasting the church. <clears throat> but now here he is. He desires now to live for Christ. For Christ, we see what living for Christ is. It's, it's magnifying the Lord in our lives. My, oh my. And notice in verse 20, according to and mean, is stated or indicated by or, in keeping with an, an agreement, in which he has previously declared. So this verse, the way he worded it, is attaching itself to what he said above. And let's read it again. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. God give us grace to not be ashamed. Right? God give us grace to not be ashamed. But that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. <coughs> Beloved, expectation and hope are things grounded in God-given faith. They're things grounded in God-given faith. It's declared in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You've heard me say many times, if we hope for something, if we see it, we're not hoping for it because we see it. We've not seen Christ. By faith we see Christ. By faith we look to Christ. By faith we trust and rest in Christ. And that's God-given faith. Right? We hope to see the Savior. And we have assurance in the Scripture that all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, for them to live as Christ and to die as gain. Amen. My, oh my. <clears throat> and take a look at Philippians 121 and notice who's between life and death. Yep. Remember we saw that in John 17 too, where he was in between believers and unbelievers? Look at this. For me to live is what? 
Christ. And to die is gain. My, oh, my. So whether we live or whether we die, we who are the born-again, blood-washed children of God, for us to live is Christ. We live for him now. We used to live for self. Now we desire to pour our lives out for Christ. Serve him. Amen. I have a father. We desire to serve him now. My, oh, my. And this is truth that we see set forward in this wonderful verse. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now how brief is the distance between life and death, really? 80 years, 70 years, sometimes 30, sometimes even less. Yeah, I had a little nephew who lived, uh, he lived, um, I think, 18 hours. About four or five years ago. 18 hours of life. Yeah, he lived his full life. I'm going to see him in glory. I believe I am. I'm going to see him. I'm going to meet him in glory. Oh, David said, I'll meet my son. He can't come to me, but I'm going to meet him. Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. What a comfort. Yep. And how brief the distance between life and death as we pilgrimage through this world. Like you said, David, it's like a vapor. It's just, uh, it's a vapor. Our life is like a vapor. You know, 80 years in light of a thousand years is nothing. 80 years in light of 10,000 years is nothing. 80 years in light of eternity is absolutely not even registering on the meter. And yet for us, it's a whole lifetime. Isn't that amazing? Oh my. Do you know that our very pulse beats a death drum? I remember reading Spurgeon. Man, it, I'll tell you what. He says, you hear that clock ticking? Tick, tick, tick. It's, it's a clock ticking down our time. No. And our heartbeat is beating towards our death. It's a drum beat. Boom, 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 boom to our death. Oh my. And that's true for saved and lost, right? It's a death march. We may see our friends today in health and then tomorrow they're in the bed of affliction. <coughs> I have a friend of mine from McDonald's, and I saw him. I saw him about well before COVID and all that. He was doing really well and everything, and then recently he started having some heart issues. Oh my, he's just all tore up. Doesn't come out very much. Wore right out. Going through it. My, his name's Ernie. If you remember to pray for him and pray for his salvation, he he needs Christ. And I, I've often talked to him about him and. That's all you can do is set Christ before him. That's all you can do. But even his heart, that's a drumbeat to his death, isn't it? My, oh my. Our very pulse, again, that circulates our blood, beats our death march. We may ride. We, we, leave, we leave here. We get in the comfort of our cars. We drive, we drive to home or to wherever we want. But tomorrow... 
may be the hearse driving us to the graveside. See, we don't know. We don't know. People can die just like that. We're seeing it in, in conflicts around the world. People dying just like that. Horrendous deaths, too, because of the sinfulness of man. But just gone like that. No warning. Just gone. My, oh, my. See, people say, well, I'll wait for tomorrow. What if tomorrow doesn't come? What if you get in a car and get in a car accident and die? And you meet your maker. Dead in trespasses and sins. Oh, my. Death's all around us, beloved. This is, a, this is just a tent. When, when I die and when, when you all die, this tent is going to go in the ground, isn't it? But our spirit, for we who are born again, blood-washed saints, we're going to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's amazing. It's going to happen for us by the grace of God. <coughs> and think of this. Think of how closely uh, death is allied to life. All around us, the lamb in the field, full of life, it must soon fall under the knife. The cattle, we see. We drive by cattle all the time, don't we? In the fields. Being fattened to the slaughter. Oh, it's all around us, beloved. Trees, trees grow. They grow up and then they get felled and they're either used to, to, to build houses or for products like that or paper <clears throat> but they live and then they're felled and they die think of this too empires think of the greek empire alexander the great rose up conquered a whole bunch of the known world then fell when he died it broke off into four different pieces never to be the same and then rome came in Rome rose up right after that. Where's Rome now? Gone. Where's the great Persian Empire that ruled a, a huge swath of Asia Minor? Gone. Where's the great horde of Genghis Khan? He built an empire that went all the way into Europe. Where is it? He's gone. It's gone. <clears throat> death comes for all and how often do we hear the coronation of a king or or a president or a prime minister and then death comes oh my death reaches far into this world doesn't it far into this world. And it stamped all terrestrial things, all earthly things with the broad arrow of the grave. Even stars die. See a shooting star, death of a star, with planets that circled it, worlds, dying. It's all around us, beloved. But let we who are the redeemed be thankful that there's one place, there's one place where there's no death. 
There's one place where the death, the death bell is never heard, beloved. The entrance into that place is by death, though. Oh, and we are going to a place where life reigns. Because he who is life eternal is there. What's his name, Brother Dave? Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our King. And life reigns, beloved. When we leave here, we actually leave, we leave the land of the dead and go to the land of the living, beloved. Our brothers and sisters in glory are living more alive now than they've ever been before. My, oh my. <coughs> Again, there's a land where the death all never sounds. The grave sheets are never woven. And the graves are never digged. Praise God for that blessed land beyond the skies, which is only heaven because Christ Jesus is there. That's the only reason it's heaven. Face to face, we'll see our Redeemer. And the only reason it's heaven is because we're going to behold the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And we are going to sing praises with a multitude that no man can number, beloved. My, my, no wonder to die is gain, right? To be there, to see him. And then we get the fellowship with one another in no, in, when there's no sin, brother. Perfect. We love each other here. Imagine how we're going to love each other in glory. Oh, my gosh. Real love. love. A love for each other that's not impeded. My, and, and Brother Brian and you, you and Sister Linda, you won't be husband and wife there, but you're going to love Christ together. You're going to know each other. I believe that. I believe we're going to know people. My, oh my. And what a, what a wonderful news this is. To die is gain. My, now we, we as believers, we're born into this world just like everyone else, right? We're, 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 vessels, we're, we're, we're vessels of honor. We don't know it. But you can't tell a sheep from a goat when we're first born into this world. I was telling Vicky I, when I saw your picture with your long hair, and I said, man, Dave and I would have been, we'd have been fast friends. We'd have been running around. And I said, yeah, oh, yeah, no, that's how we would have been. And, but look at us now. Look what the Lord's done for Give him all the glory. Hallelujah. Look what he's done. He saved our souls, brother. And then he knit our hearts together. All of us. Isn't that wonderful? Brother Brian, I didn't know you and Sister Linda at all. Right? And look how he's knit our hearts together. It's amazing. My, we're family here. We got Sister Jill and Sister Diane and isn't it? Vicky? Man, everybody listening? Yeah. Who's, who's a born-again believer? And we're all going to see each other and spend eternity together forever because to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Mm. And after we're born again, 
the believer desires to begin to live for Christ now. See, we didn't want to live for Christ before the Lord saved us. But now, in, in living for Christ is serving him, thinking upon him, loving the gospel, right? All comes to us by the Holy Spirit of God, right? See, it's, it's salvations of the Lord. He's the one who rots all this in us. Because it is not natural. Like we're going through that fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. That is not natural for us. That fruit is not natural. Now we have a fleshy love. But we're, we're talking about love of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Oh my. And after we're bought to see the dying Savior redeeming us from all our sins. Making a propitiation for our sins. We now desire to serve Christ. We now desire to live for, for Christ. From the moment by faith we see that slaughtered lamb of God. And he was slaughtered, wasn't he? Dying on Calvary to save us from our sins. Redeeming our eternal souls by his perfect sin atoning work and preserving us, in, preserving us in this evil world. From that moment, we begin to live for Christ. The moment we're born again, we begin to live for Christ. My. Now, some may ask, what does it mean to live for Christ? Well, it's to live in the truth that my life is hid with Christ. To live in that. The believer's life is hid with Christ. And then we say Christ lives in us. Just as the scriptures say. So the Christian says, for me to live is Christ, because for me to live is to live a life which does not depend upon myself. You ever think of that? We now live a life that we don't depend upon ourselves anymore. We look outside ourselves and up to Christ. That's who we depend upon now. Isn't that amazing? Christ is our all. He's our all in all. No wonder Paul wrote that. No wonder when he's saying to live is Christ. No wonder he's saying Christ is my all. You take away Christ, we don't have nothing. We're just, we have death, yeah. We have condemnation. We have death. But in Christ, we have justification. We have sanctification. We have redemption. Woo, my. Gets you excited, doesn't it? Gets you excited. My, oh, my. So we don't, our lives don't depend upon even ourselves or anybody else. We, we've given our lives to Christ. And think of this. You hit on how he's the, he's the living water. Not only do we depend upon him for our physical life, but we depend upon him for our spiritual life. He's the bread of life that feeds us spiritually. He's the, the, the living water that we drink and feast upon. What's the two things you need to survive? What's the two things, basic things, that man needs to survive? Bread and water. These people go on hunger strikes. They live on bread and water. Bread and water, that's it. Those are the two things. Now you're going to lose some weight <laughs> if you go on that diet. <clears throat> and I'm not talking the diet of Christ. I'm talking, I'm talking physically. But I'll tell you what. 
you live on the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, you drink of the, the fountain of, his, of, of who he is, you're going to grow spiritually. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit going to grow you. Oh, my. My, oh, my. So without bread, I become a skeleton and I die. Without water, I, 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 I just dry up and die. Do you know the believer has three parts that needs to be sustained? The body, right, which must have its proper nutrients, bread and water, other food. The soul, which must have knowledge, right? We grow in the, the knowledge of Christ. And then the spirit, which what? what? Feasts on Christ. Feasts on Christ. Oh, my. <clears throat> Without thought, my mind becomes sta stagnant and stale. I don't learn anything. And without Christ, my newborn spirit isn't fed. So we feast on Christ, don't we? That's why you come here. We feast on the gospel. You see? Oh, we come here for spiritual food, don't we? And I'm getting fed when I'm putting the messes together. And you get fed when the Holy Spirit shows you the truth and you, you, you rejoice in the truth that's set before you. I'm rejoicing in the truth as the Holy Spirit's teaching me. And I'm feasting on Christ. Who's the heavenly man? Who came down from heaven? The Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he? He's the heavenly man. And so the Apostle Paul here, he, he also means the course of his life is a life lived for Christ. It's not a life lived for self anymore. It's not a life lived for self anymore. Here we are on a Wednesday night. Right? I'm sure that before the Lord saved us, there was many other things that would have captivated us on a Wednesday night. Right? But here we are, gathered together, desiring to hear the gospel, desiring to hear the things of Christ, desiring to feast on our Savior, who's the manner of life for his people. He's the bread and water. My, oh, my. And then think of this. Paul says, if you ask me after what I fashion my life, I don't fashion it after any other man but Christ. You know, I've heard people say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I know Paul said that, but that's Paul. Follow Christ with me. Let's desire to mold our lives to Christ. Right? I'm a flawed human being. The more you get to know me, the more you're going to find out I'm flawed. But let's look to the perfect one. Let's look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand what Paul was saying there. He's saying, he's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I mold my life to Christ. Right? But I'm not going to say that about me. I'm just a poor sinner. Saved by the grace of God. I'm going to follow Christ with you, brethren. Right beside you. <laughs> and I might stumble a few times and land on my knees, Dave. You might have to pick me up a couple times, brother. Well, the Lord will pick me up. He'll carry us both, eh? With two hands, right? <laughs> I remember a preacher saying this, a grace prayer. I had never heard, I had never, ever heard a preacher say this. Gene Harmon got up to the conference and he says, 
don't follow me, I mess up so much, I'm going to let you down every time. I had never heard a preacher say that. I had never, ever in my life heard a preacher say that. And then Donnie Bell gets up and preaches that he's a sinner. I'd never heard a preacher call himself a sinner. I heard preachers call everybody else sinners. But this guy gets up, this Donnie Bell, eh? Oh, we love him, don't we? He says, I'm just a sinner. <laughs> I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved. <laughs> Praise God, eh? Oh, my. Oh, my. So every born-again, blood-washed believer can say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Imagine Paul on the shores of Philippi. He lands there in shackles. He's being led up. He's being taken to Rome. But imagine the first time he, he came to Philippi. He lands on the shores. And there by the riverside where all the ships were gathered, there's many merchantmen. And they're busy. And we see a man. Paul sees a man busy with his ledger. Counting everything. Counting all his stuff up. And he says, for me to live is gold. For me to live is money. And then there's his clerk. His clerk's employed in business for his, for his uh, boss. And he says, for me to live is sustenance. This is how I feed my family. Oh my, then Paul enters the city and stands and listens to some people speak. And some man says, young man, for me to live is learning. I want to learn as much as I can. And then another stands clothed in chain mail and says, ah, for me to live is glory. He's a soldier. Me to live is glory. I scorn all your modes of life. I live for glory. But then there comes amongst them a humble tent maker named Paul. And we see the features upon his face. And he steps in the middle of them and he says this, for me to live is Christ. Me to live is Christ. Imagine how they smile with contempt upon him. They scoff at him for having chosen such an object for me to live is Christ. And what does he mean, they ask themselves. The learned man stopped and said, Christ, who is he? Is he that, that mad fellow of whom I heard? Who the Jews said he was mad and they executed on Calvary's cross. And the learned man, he, he steps back and then the clerk replies, is, is it he who died, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews? And the Roman soldier says, and, and do you live for a man who died a, a slave's death? What glory will you get by fighting his battles? Oh, my. We don't want the glory. <laughs> we just stand back and watch the Lord fight for us, don't we? 
See, but natural man doesn't understand that, beloved. And the trader, trader chimes in and says, What profit is there in your preaching? You don't make no money. My. And the merchant's clerk said, thought Paul mad for, he said, how can he feed his family? How will he supply his wants if all he lives for is to honor Christ? I got news for folks. God takes care of his sheep, doesn't he? And David said he'd never seen one of the Lord's begging. My, oh my. Paul knew whom he believed. He was like Job. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know I'm going to see him. I'm going to see him in his flesh. The worms destroy this body, yet I'll see him. And Paul is, is in a way, saying the same thing because he's saying, well, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm going to get to see him. He's not dead. He rose from the grave. Matter of fact, he arrested me on the road to Damascus. My, oh, my. And he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why kickest thou against the pricks? Why are you kicking against providence, Paul? Paul's kicking and kicking. He wasn't kicking when he got arrested, was he? Oh. And notice what the Lord said. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who's, Paul, who's Saul persecuting, brother? He's, but he's persecuting believers, isn't he? he and, and we're so connected to Christ that he says, why are you persecuting me? My, what a Savior. He's the head and we're the body, brother. Oh, my. Where the head is, this head, this body falls wherever that head. Well, the head tells me to go over here. I'm going to go over here, right? Well, if our head's in heaven, where are we going to be? Well, <laughs> amen, brother. I know. We're going to be in glory. Yeah, we're already seated in heavenly places. I heard something today. Oh, my goodness, I've got to share this with you. He said, our life, this preacher said, our life's like a parade, right? We see from the side of the roads. We only see a section of the parade at a time. So a trial comes, that's a section of the parade of our life, right? God's above it. What does he see? He sees the end. He sees the beginning. And he sees the end. And he sees it all the way back again. Isn't that amazing? Isn't what, a, what a way to, to view it. We're like standing in the road, so we only see what's in front of us. He sees it all. You might hear me use that again, because that's, to me, that's just magnificent. It explains, how, he, he, he sees it all. And if our life's like a vapor to him, it's nothing in time. My, oh, my. My, oh, my. So let's look at this here. We who are the redeemed cry out, take me, Lord, and take me forever. Let's read our text again. For me to live is Christ. And then we see, and to die is gain. You know, our reward's already gone before us. Amen. 
People all go trying to make all these rewards. Our reward's already in glory. It's preceded us. Genesis 15.1. And these things, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, here we go. I love these two words. Fear not! Fear not! Fear not! Why? Because God's being, he, he, his justice is being appeased in Christ. The blood of Christ has cleansed us from all our sin. Fear not! Fear not, Brother Brian. Amen. We don't got to fear. Our sins are paid for. Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding, exceeding, exceeding great reward. If we have Christ, we don't need any other reward, do we? He's, he's our crown of glory. He's already went before us. My now let's consider the death of the Christian. Death comes for all, unbeliever and believer. All of us. It comes. It smites the righteous and the unrighteous. And that's only in Christ. We're only righteous in Christ. But this is not the end for the believer. We're glorified. We've ascended up to the Father and to our brethren who are buried in the grave and they are evermore with God. My, oh my. So let us, let we who are the redeemed take comfort with these words. To die is gain. Now we who are left behind sorrow, but yet we should rejoice too. Because they're gone to the reward. They're seeing, they're seeing the reward face to face, and that's Christ. My, oh my. So how is it to gain? How, how is it... How is it gained when we die? Well, the rich man who knows not Christ, he dies, and he can't take nothing with him. It's all left behind. Everything, it's all left behind. Oh, my. All his wealth is gone, all his power, all his influence, everything's gone. And you know what? He's now on the same level as a poor sinner who died in their sins. Everyone's on. We're all guilty before God, right? We're all on the same level, the scripture says. The scripture says, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. Oh my. Dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Which of any of our worldly goods can we take with us when we die, Brother Dave? Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing at all. So death is a great equalizer, isn't it? No, it's a great, you know, you don't need nothing when you die. Only Christ. Only Christ, yeah. But, but death is the great equalizer. It slays rich and poor and everybody in between. My, oh my. So that's all loss for the unbeliever. Look how much they lose. And then they're without Christ. Oh my. They've lost their friends. They've lost their family. They've lost their power again. They've lost their influence. They've lost their honor. They've lost their wealth. It's all gone. It's all gone. My, oh, my. It's all gone. All that they've toiled for in life is gone. So that they're no better now than the poorest person in this world who passed away. 
They've died without Christ, and they will suffer loss. So surely for the unsaved, death is lost. But our text says this, to die is gain. Paul's writing to believers, isn't he? Our corpse is going to go in the grave. Our tent's going to go in the grave, isn't it? Every one of us. Every one of us. But our spirit's going to go with the Lord. Remember that thief? Just remember me, Lord. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Shall again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. That word keeps popping up, doesn't it? Oh. We may leave all our worldly goods, and we will. We won't take nothing with us. All our worldly goods. But you know, all our worldly goods are nothing compared to seeing the glory of God face to face in Christ. Nothing even compares to that. Nothing. So for the born-again, blood-washed believer, seeing Christ face to face, death is gain. Death is gain. We lost nothing compared to what we gained. And we're redeemed. Again, we, as I said earlier, we are going to leave the land of the living or the dead just like that. And we are going to wake up just like that in the land of the living. And the land of the living is where Christ is. Mm. There the believing mother meets her infant. There the father meets their brothers in Christ. There we will clasp one another, my dear brothers. There we will clasp one another in love. My, oh, my. And then the believing husband meets the believing wife. Never to be more married or given in marriage, but to live together like the angels of God. Loving Christ. Rejoicing in Christ. And some of us had friends in heaven. You guys, before I came here, there was many people who departed this world. I've known a few of them who have departed. Richard and Irene, who were so dear to us. Newell. Joel. Jim. So many, Denise, people who were just dear to us. Kathy, my, gone home, gone home. Now they, they know now that to die is gain. My, oh my. Some of us are friends and some of us have dear ones and glory. Brother Wayne Carrick. I never met him, but you know I'm going to meet him one day. My, oh my. They've crossed the stream. And we're left behind. My. Won't be long. And you know who else we see? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We'll look into the face of the Apostle Paul. We'll say, I read your books, man. You... You pointed me right to Christ. All you did was brag on Christ. 
We'll see him. And Paul will go, there's the one I wrote about. Here he is. Look at him on the throne. Look at him on the throne. Yeah, he won't want no glory. He'll say, there he is. There he is, Brother Dave. Look at him. We'll see each other just like we're seeing each other now. But with no sin. Imagine that, beloved. We're going to see each other like we do now, but with no sin. And oh, how blessed we are in the company of poor and perfect saints on earth, right? Which we all are. But how wonderful, how much sweeter it will be when our fellowship with our brethren has no sin. No sin to heed or to, to, to even impair any kind of fellowship. I find we have such sweet fellowship here, but imagine what it's going to be like when we all get to glory. Oh, my goodness, you can't even compare, man. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation. We're going to get a glimpse. We're going to get a glimpse here. <coughs> here we go. We're going to get a glimpse of one of my, I, I don't like to say favorite portions because the Bible, I don't want to pit one part of the Bible against the other, but this is a, this is a wonderful portion here. This is a wonderful, Revelation chapter 5. Look at this. My, oh my. Starting in verse 5, okay? Here we go. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So God had a, God had a book in his hands, and the, one who could only, the only one who could loose it was the Lamb of God. Was a, look at that. The lion of the tribe of Judah. That's one of his, that's one of his titles, beloved. The root of David. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right of hand of him that sat upon the throne. And he, when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and the four and twenty elders, fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. God hears every one of our prayers, beloved. Man, they're stored up. They're stored up. And they sang a new song. Here we go, Brother Dave. We're going to sing a new song. Woo! My, we're going to sing. Every, every born-again, blood-washed saint going to sing this new song. Right? What are we going to say? Thou art worthy. Well, we just stay right there, right? Thou art worthy, Lord. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. Even in heaven, we're rejoicing over the fact that Christ redeemed us, beloved. Right? He redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every, look at this, every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall, there's that word again, reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And of the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was, look at this, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, a number you can't number. 
saying with a loud, loud voice. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, look at this verse. Worthy is the Lamb. This makes you want to shout it out. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. He gets it all, doesn't he? He gets it all. He's the only one who's worthy of our praise. He's the only one who's worthy of heaven's praise. Him, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, right? Oh, my. Look at this. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all they that heard I sing, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. Amen. I agree. And the four and twenty others fell down and worshipped him. Look at this. That liveth forever and ever. That's our Savior. Our, because he lives, we're live, right? He's the head and we're the body. Look at that. He lives forever. Oh, beloved, we only have a few more days to labor in this world. In, in, this, in this world. We hear the Savior's words. Fear not, little flock. Oh, trials come and tribulations, and we hear, Fear not, little flock. Fear not, my little sheep. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Love the Lord, death is no loss to us. It's all gain. It's all gain. One day, by the power of our great God, we will ascend up to glory. Just like that. And we'll meet the armies of heaven. We'll meet all. We'll meet. We'll see a host that no man can number. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we will, we will sing. Worthy is the Lamb. We're going to sing that. I can't wait. Can you? And I, we're excited now about it. Why? Because we were born again. We have a new heart now. Now for us to live is Christ. It wasn't before. It was to live for Wayne. And now it's to live for Christ. Right? Oh, my. And do we do it imperfectly? Yes. But God don't count that against us, does he? No. Because all our sins have been forgiven in Christ. So we cry with joy to die is gain. To die is gain. What's the most precious thing in this world to man other than our children? Gold, right? <laughs> you know what the streets are, Dave? They're gold. We'll be walking on gold. <laughs> the most precious thing to man is pavement and glory. My, oh my. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? That tells you a lot. Are you poor here? Oh, if you're in Christ, you'll be rich when you're in the presence of Christ. Do you suffer tall here? In glory, there'll be rest forever. Rest forever. Mm. Do you desire to be in glory? Well, when we pass from this world, we shall see the king face to face and we will behold him forever. All because of what he's done for us. Here we hear the curses of mankind. But in glory, we'll never hear him again. All we're here 
is praise to our great God. Here we see through a glass darkly, don't we? But there, face to face. And you know what else, too? You know how scripture says, I hath not seen nor ear heard? In glory, that will be fully manifest for us. We can't even imagine. We can't even imagine what heaven's like. The minute we're in glory, it'll be manifest to us. We'll go, I've never seen nothing like this. I've never seen this. My eyes have never seen anything this beautiful. And there's the king. Oh, my. You know what else is never in, in heaven again? Darkness. Darkness. No more dark. Dave? You won't ever be in darkness again when you go to work. We won't be working, though. We'll be, we'll be serving. Yeah, in Christ is the light. Woo! My, oh, my. Oh, my. And I say this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said to the Philippian jailer, and thou shalt, shalt be saved. My, oh, my. Turn, if you would, one more place. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to close with this. Verses 9 to 12. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 12. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. That's the elect of God. Look at that. Of all nations, of all Canada, U.S., Russia, nations have existed and have fallen now, of all nations. Look at this. In kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts fell down before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And what's, what, what, what's left to say? Amen. There's nothing left to say, is there? Amen. That's it. Brother Brian, 